0: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's uh, continue, Gordon, as we prepare for the upcoming football season, previewing all the major opponents for our local teams. Today, we take a look at the Arizona State Sun Devils. Joining us now, he covers ASU for 98.7 FM down there in Phoenix. Vince Murata with us here on The Big Show. Hi, Vince. How are you?
1: Good. How are you doing, guys?
0: We're You're doing not, We're uh, doing
1: great. Uh, Vince, i got I, I got to tell you something that you probably will laugh at uh, but you're down there in the in the summer heat, I imagine. We're up here; it's hot where we are. But inside our studio, it's like sixty degrees. So we're like wearing sweatshirts and uh, and uh, you know, parkas and whatnot in here. That's something you can't relate to at all, can you? Okay?
2: No. What are sweatshirts and parkas? <laughs> I'm not even familiar with the concept.
1: Yeah, but do you ever do you ever go even in the heat that or because of the heat down there? Do you ever go into you know stores or? or places where they have cranked the A.C. so much that you feel like you're going to, you know, it's a shock to the system.
2: Yeah, you know what? Speaking of the studio issue, I do middays, so we're on 10 to 2, and our morning show, I don't know if you remember Ron Wolfley, he was uh, kind of a crazy former fullback, Uh Uh, he does our morning show. And they keep it like a meat locker in there. So it, it, our studio is usually like 66, 67 degrees, which is really cold for us. So, yeah, yeah I can kind of relate to okay, that. Okay, good.
0: I'm so glad this is how you've chosen to start off our yeah, interview with Vince. I, I, there, I, 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 we're bonding over here. <laughs> Leave <laughs> us alone, I will can, you? I can tell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, Vince, uh, give us a little look. How is uh, how is the program under Coach Herm Edwards going into year number two? What kind of job is he doing?
2: Um, well, I'll tell you, when, when this whole thing rolled out, you would be hard pressed to find a bigger critic of it than me locally. Um, you know, somebody went to ASU um, and, and it's, it's you know followed and, and covered the program for a long time. I didn't understand what direction they were going in, but I got to say, you know, what a difference a year makes. Um, they overachieved last year. I thought uh, finishing second in the South again. Um, they're a buttoned up program, uh, that they've kind of changed the way they operate. And it it sounded kind of like a cockamamie idea when they rolled it out and it was kind of a clunky rollout too. But with all the involvement from NFL people, former NFL people in this program, I, I I would say year one was a, a rousing success. And I think, uh, you know, the trajectory is definitely headed in the right direction going into year two.
1: What is it about him? Is this uh, knowledge on his part? Is it charisma? Is it the staff he's put together? What's going on positive?
2: I think you know three things you just hit on. It's a combination of all of those things. First and foremost, it's his personality. Uh, Herm Edwards, Now, if you want to judge him on, on his coaching record in the NFL, sure, there, there was some knocks against him. He wasn't as successful a head coach. But the one thing you can't deny is the charisma, the personality that, that just draws people to him. And people want to perform for him. Um, the staff that he's put together, I mean, adding Marvin Lewis as, as a consultant year, two. I mean, Kevin Mowai is going into the, into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he's on the staff. Derek Hagan, a former wide receiver, who uh, is ASU's all-time leading receiver, had a long career in the NFL. He's part of the staff, too. So they're really appealing now to try to make ASU a more... Um, uh, attractive option I guess for, for prospects who want to play football on Sundays and not just Saturdays
0: Vince Murata with us from 98.7 FM down there in Phoenix 97.5 and 12.8 of the zone Now, Vince obviously finding a new, uh, another Nikhil Harry is, is probably impossible but talk to us about turning over that offense because Manny Wilkins I know he was a little controversial down there but he was a, a really good player as an upperclassman how hard is it going to be to to replace that production
2: um, yeah, those two are uh, big losses. Obviously, we'll, we'll start with Harry. Uh, to use your phrase, I don't think they can find another Nikhil Harry. I mean, he's just a physical freak who uh, really contributed and, and produced big time for, for three years. Uh, became kind of a security blanket even you know as his career rolled on. Started to contribute on special teams as a returner. He was a special guy. They've got some talent at the receiver position. Uh, I think a guy to watch really this year is – Brandon Ayuk, who is a junior college transfer, um, showed some glimpses last year going into his senior season, but uh, at one point was, was attached to, to Alabama going to their program. So uh, he's kind of the breakout candidate. and They have you know, Frank Darby as a deep threat, and, and Kyle Williams has been really steady as a possession receiver. The quarterback question is, is the burning one down here, guys. I mean, uh, Manny Wilkins, yeah, you're right. He was a divisive figure. A lot of the ASU fan base loved him. A lot of the ASU fan base thought he was very limited in what he was able to do, um, but he was productive, and he was uh, what, we, what we call down here a great Sun Devil. Um, he's going to be missed. They have four candidates right now for that starting position, um, which is interesting. Dylan Sterling Cole is going into his junior season. He was highly touted a couple of years ago, but really hasn't played that many snaps. And when he has, it was before he was ready to play started a game up in Oregon a few years ago that, that didn't go very well. And then they have three freshmen, including Jaden Daniels, who's uh, the most exciting of the bunch. Uh, and the way Herm Edwards and the coaching staff are approaching this right now is, is they're treating this as a, as a four-horse race going into fall camp.
1: Well, a couple of places where there are not question marks. Uh, you got a pretty good running back down there, Benjamin. Uh, talk a little bit about him and also – the other name that pops out to me when I look at the roster is linebacker Merlin Robertson.
2: Yeah, starting with Benjamin, he's unlike any player I think I've ever seen uh, wearing an ASU uniform, and I've been watching this program for 40 years. Um, he might be the most difficult running back to bring down I've seen, and not based on his physical size, but he has this uncanny balance. Um, you, know, where, you, know, you think he's knocked off his feet and he'll put a hand in the ground and, 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 and pop back up and gain five, six more yards. Um, the question that I have with, with Benjamin this year is he carried such a workload last year, and they really didn't have much in terms of threats behind him. I'm wondering if he can hold up, because um, you know, I, I think they're going to be run-oriented again, regardless of who the quarterback is. Can he hold up and, and, and carry that workload again for a second straight season? Because they really... Yeah, you know, they didn't have a running back in their recruiting class and they really have a lot of question marks behind Benjamin. As long as he stays healthy, they're set, but uh, if anything should happen to Eno, then they could be in trouble. Uh Merlin Robertson, yeah, he is a stud. Um he came in day 1 and looked like a veteran back there and that was kind of his his um, MO going into the season as they said, you know, he's he's a steady season linebacker. That is it's going to make a difference, and he did from day one. And, and uh, a couple of other guys in that defense that, that's uh, stepped up early in their careers, too, another linebacker, Darian Butler, showed glimpses. Ashari uh, Crosswell was a uh, safety who I thought really struggled in the first half of his freshman year, but in the second half of the season he was one of the more productive players on the defense. So, yeah, they do have some pieces on that side of the ball to work around as well.
0: Uh, Vince Morata with us, 98.7 FM down there in Phoenix. Now, Vince, uh, just kind of some background on this question I'm going to ask. We have a, a host of our morning show, Patrick Hinnahan, who's actually a, a graduate of Arizona State. In fact, he's got family down there has done, and has done some shows from your guys' studios uh, down there before. But uh, he, I've talked to him for years now about why Arizona State can't keep more local Phoenix kids home. And he has a variety of different theories. But I'd be curious as to your answer to that question.
2: Yeah, that is something that has plagued <laughs> longtime fans. I think it's plagued people at the university for a long time because every coach, whether you go back to you know, Dirk Cutter or Dennis Erickson after him or Todd Graham, you know we're going to build a wall around Phoenix and, and, and not let these recruits um, escape, and, and we've seen that continues to be a trend. I don't know if I have an answer that is deeper or more logical than just the tendency for blue trip recruits to get away from, from home to go to college and, and play at you know prestigious universities and football programs. Um, until there's consistent winning, I think that will remain uh, a problem, an issue for this program. And, and we haven't seen the consistent winning. We've seen a lot of Kind of five hundred, six, seven win seasons uh, over the last twenty five years or so at ASU, and I, and I think until they can consistently get to the double digits and compete for for Rose Bowl titles or Pac twelve titles, and that's that's going to be the reality for this program.
1: Got a related question. You know, you've been following Arizona State for a long, long time. I, I remember watching them back in the 70s. Remember that team when they surprised everybody and beat Nebraska? And, oh, yeah. And, and I always look – I've been to Arizona State. I've been to games there. I've studied the teams at times. I've been subjected to, to Patrick Kenahan's, uh complaints about the program, <laughs> and he talks about them all the time or not. But when I think of Arizona State, I think this should, this should be a, a dominant program. I, I don't understand why it's not. Is it just what you were talking about in answering Jake's question, or has there been something else at play here?
2: Well, another thing. I mean, there's a, a couple things related to that question. Um, you know, when they were that dominant program in the in the 70s under Frank Cush, they were playing in the WAC conference and they they were dominating that conference and uh, you know getting to to bowl games and being able to compete against those those teams around the country that they normally wouldn't get a chance to play. Um, so I think that's a factor, just the, the quality of, of the Pac-12 um, is a big factor in that. The other thing is the landscape of the Phoenix sports scene has changed so much. I mean, I moved to, to Arizona when I was a kid. I was born in New York. We moved out in 1979. And I knew ASU football was big when I got here as, as a young sports fan, but I didn't realize it was it was close to a religion. I mean, the, the the city shut down on Saturday nights. Since that time, I mean, they had one professional sports team in the Suns at that time. Since that time, they've added, you know, the Cardinals got here in '88, the the Coyotes in '96, the Diamondbacks in '98. So the sporting landscape has changed. That's not even considering all of the uh, the secondary fringe sports that have been added in the Valley as well. It's a very saturated market, and I think that has, uh, in combination with the lack of consistent winning, has kind of carved out the niche for, for ASU football in this program, I wanna or s- in this market, I should say.
1: Vince, I want to sneak in another question real quick. What do you think of the Utes? Uh, a lot of people are favoring them to win the South. They won it last year. Some people think they can go farther than that this time around. What do you think?
2: I you know, I may be way off on my assessment of the Utes, and it's probably something you've heard before, but I'll throw it out there. Defensively in special teams, I mean, they're a nightmare to deal with on, on a week-in, week-out basis, and that's been consistent under Whittingham. They always have a good running back. I always have a question mark about their, their quarterback, and uh, it, and with apologies to Tyler Huntley, who's who's really taken strides in his career, I don't know if he's the guy to elevate them to the next level. Um is that, is that fair? Uh, I'll ask you guys because you guys have watched a lot more Utah football than me.
1: I think the question is fair. I do. Mm-hmm. I, although Jake, I think you agree with me that we're we're sort of expecting him now that he's got uh, his feet under him to really uh, have the potential for a terrific year this time around.
2: He's talented. There's no doubt about it. And it was uh, he went down in the ASU game at Tempe last year. And that was kind of a uh, you know unfortunate. Uh, occurrence for for Utah, but when he went out, their their chance to win that game really went bye bye. Um, but you know, when I do watch from a cursory standpoint against other opponents, I just maybe it's the offense, maybe it's the, the talent around him in the receiving core. Um, but it's been consistent in my in my opinion with Utah football. That's kind of what stands out to me.
0: Excuse me. All right, Vince. Excuse me. Geez, one more, one more thing from me before we let you go, Vince. Uh, what's it like working for Ryan Hatch? Is it still as delightful as it used to be when he was here in Salt Lake City?
2: Oh, it's uh, it's a pleasure. I I kiss the ground of the studio and I walk in every day. <laughs> no. Ryan's great. I mean, he's got so many plates spinning in his position with what he does for our station in Phoenix. Um, and you know, in terms of experience. And respect in the industry I mean you got a question the guy knows the answer he knows everybody in the industry so it's been really cool to work for him
1: I gotta tell you I did a show with him when he was 18 years old and uh, (laughs) I'm not kidding you I, I couldn't believe it uh that a kid that young could uh could pull that off the way he did and his career has gone from there so uh not really all that surprised
2: no, I, I mean, he, he always talks about his, his experience as a play-by-play announcer and a talk show host. And I don't have really any background of him as an on-air personality. I just know he's been in this market now in a, in a leadership role for well over a decade. And then I realize that he's far younger than me. And it gets depressing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if you ever need any dirt, Vince, uh, we got it. Uh, yeah, we got sure. plenty. Oh, I'll, um,
2: I'll, I'll come to you guys first, definitely. Yeah,
1: we got plenty of that.
0: Well, Vince, we, we <laughs> really appreciate you taking a few uh, minutes and coming on and previewing the Devils for us, man. All right. Thank
2: you. Anytime, guys.
1: Thanks, Vince. Yeah, really interesting what he said about the Utes, I thought. Um, First of all, real Not surprising, real quick. though, right? Yeah, real quick, about the Devils. That Benjamin kid, he is a stud. He's legit. That yeah. guy is good. And I think Ute fans are still reeling a little bit from that loss down there against Arizona State.
0: Well, which one? Because they've had some just well,
1: soul crushers along the way. Last year. But but anyway, as far as what he said, I think that is the impression that the Ute football program has left
0: around the league. And maybe around the country. Well, is that, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that really a big surprise? I mean, take just their, their efforts against Arizona State. I mean, think back to how many years ago was that where, where Kyle Whittingham basically told Dave Christensen he was not allowed to pass the ball in the second half of the game. Remember that with Travis Wilson where he literally would not let him attempt to pass? Uh, So there's guys like Vince who are watching that happen, and are we really surprised that that's the impression that he comes away from watching uh, Utah football?
1: What do you think about Tyler Huntley? Do you think that this could be a year where the quarterback does break out and do what's precisely needed
0: in order to guide this ship that's really full of talent? Okay, so that's a a bit of a complex question because it depends on what's precisely needed. I mean, if you lower the bar of precisely needed, then all right. Well,
1: uh, and and the scary thing about that question is that Kyle Whittingham might be tempted to think, all right, what's been my mantra all along with quarterbacks? Don't turn the ball over. Don't make foolish errors that's going to put my defense in a bad spot. And a quarterback has to be able to feel free, you know, to be able to execute plays and not be all – worked up about or worried about making mistakes i think
0: that's when you get plagued with it even more and so you got to be careful with it well i guess what i said about like where the bar is for precisely needed i'm saying like if you look at last year and the utes just for some reason decided not to give the ball to zach moss for the first 30 the year or whatever it was and tyler hunley struggled right because you put it all on him and he maybe doesn't have the skill set or maybe the weapons. Maybe it's not even his fault, you know, to, to go out and carry that kind of load. But you'll look in October when Zach Moss, the carries, really started picking up and he really started to roll and the pressure mm. gets taken off Tyler Huntley uh-huh. and all of a sudden he's able to go out there and be much more effective. See, I think if, if the Utes are a run-oriented offense, because that's, I mean, that's what Vince is talking about, and that's what they are. And if they, use be, their, you, if they use their stud, it means that Tyler Huntley doesn't have to do as much and he can go out there and play his game.
1: Okay, there's a couple of ways of looking at it. One, if that's going to be what it is, you can still be a really effective quarterback and be a run-oriented team. Absolutely, yes. The But that gets back to what I was talking about before, because on those times you do have an opportunity to do something, you've got to take advantage of it. Let's say they give the ball to Zach Moss, picks up five yards. Then they give the ball to Zach Moss again, or maybe another running back picks up nah, a yard and a half because the defense is keying on that. Now you got a situation where the quarterback has to execute that play or the drive dies. I mean, this is simple football here, but if you, if you, if you don't connect with your pass or you're tempted to just take off running and do it yourself – then the offense doesn't run the way it has to run in order to fulfill that potential we've talked about. So if you do have few opportunities to throw the ball when you do throw it, you got to make it work. And if you know that, then that in and of itself carries pressure, not in quantity, but in quality.
0: Mm -hmm. And he's got to go out there and make those plays, I agree. But I just think, I mean, you brought this up when we were talking about the Doak Walker situation with, with Zach Moss. If, he's a, if he runs for 1,700 yards, I mean, the Utes are going to be in control of a lot of games, and that's going to mean that they can hit a bunch of home run balls. And I'm, I'm thinking back to, like, the Stanford game last year where they were so successful running the ball. Man, that game gave Tyler Huntley a lot of room to operate, and he went out there and he played the best game at the time of his career. And I don't think that that's a coincidence, I guess, is what I'm getting at. And and in your scenario, if I'm a quarterback looking at third and three, I love that a whole lot more than looking at third and eight. Yeah. And yeah. I think I have a lot more options to go out and make that critical play that you're talking about. But see, about.
1: If, you're a thro- if your quarterback is throwing the ball a lot, then... Uh, think back, uh, all you old-timers, think back to Ty Detmer. I mean, he was winging the ball all over the field, and there were times when he threw 28 interceptions that one year. I mean, he's making mistakes, but he's doing all kinds of good things too. It's The pressure was on him on the whole to help carry the team, but the pressure was not on him that he had to execute a play on a given drive as in the same way that we're talking about here, where everything stalls – even though you are not winging the ball all over the field. And so the pressure comes to you because you're not. And you're not getting a lot of opportunity to do that. So when you do, you have to be precise.
0: Yep. It's weird, but you can feel pressure under both scenarios. You can. I agree. I, my, my opinion certainly is, though, if you get him in a bunch of second and threes where they really have options coming out their ears, yeah. a lot of good stuff's going to happen. Tyler Huntley certainly good enough to take advantage of those situations.
1: You would think so. And if it, with any luck for him, he's not taking matters into his own hands and his own feet. Or doesn't have to, sir. And having to do that no, all the time. I agree.